Hey, this is John McElroy of Rocky Mountain Fast Guy, and you're listening to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Episode 29 of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show with Joe and Nick. Tonight's guest, Matt Burke, singer-songwriter from the band Have Gun, Will Travel, will be with us tonight. Yeah, they were on our original show about 20 years ago. Back, back then, they were just, uh, they were known as Chase Theory, just three of them. That's right, they were, weren't they? Yeah, and they uh, now they're Have Gun, Will Travel, and added two more guys in there. The new stuff is sounding really good. Um, it reminds me a lot of... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's different from it's different from Chase Theory music. It's more countryish, I guess you can call it Americana. I'd say more Americana, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's got that alternative sound yeah. to it. Yeah, it's kind of a hybrid it's, mix. But what I've heard is very good. I'm looking forward to talking to Matt. So uh, let's give him a call. Cool. Hey, Matt. It's Joe. Hey, Joe. What's up? How you been, bud? Not too bad, man. You? Uh, you know, I'm uh, doing fairly well, all things considered, I guess. Yeah, hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, Nick on with me, too. Um, hey, Nick, Nick. How are you? Hey, Matt. How's it going? Do you remember Nick Good, from uh, the the radio show we used to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we were just talking about that. Nick yeah. still has a video of that. Oh wow, that's awesome! I think I have I'd a like video of that. that. I know I, I know I have a cassette. I know a recording of it. Oh, cool, man! I'd like to hear yeah. that. That's yeah. yeah. That, was, that was that was back in the day. Oh yeah. yeah you, you guys came down and played. Remember? That's right. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, <laughs> that's Chase. Yeah, that was cool, man. That was fun. So you've been doing well. Yeah, doing uh, you know as well as can be expected. I think uh, we're all doing the best we can, hanging in there. Yeah, what have you been doing in this uh, COVID lifestyle? Well, you know, kind of just trying to um, trying to live the same, you know, life for the most part. Um, you know, uh, obviously a lot of things have changed, and we, you know, we've had to make all kinds of, you know, uh, adjustments and uh, and that kind of thing. But um, I'm staying, you know, staying busy. Um, you know, we, uh, as far as, you know, as far as the music goes, we definitely had to, you know, there's a point there when the first, when it's first, everything kind of shut down where we just had to put everything on pause and, uh, you sure. know, and that kind of thing. Um, but that has, you know, we've kind of gradually gotten to a comfortable place where we're, we're working on things. Are you guys doing shows now or no? Not yet. We haven't yet. Um, but we have one coming up. It's our first one. <clears throat> um, and it's going to be at the crowbar in Ybor city, 
on the uh, 17th, and it's their first show as a, you know opening back up. Um, it's going to be like a limited capacity, seated kind of event, uh, you know, social thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tom is a good friend of ours who's the owner of uh, Crowbar, and uh, he's, you know, he's going to, he, he's gone to like a lot of, uh, you know, some great efforts to kind of just make sure that the way that they're going to be doing things, uh, they're going to be operating in a, you know, as safe as possible kind of a way. Right. No, um, no so mosh pits allowed. Went back and like, sorry, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Uh, no mosh pits allowed, I guess. I, I don't think we're going to have one at this show. <laughs> I don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah. It, it's, it's messed up, isn't it? It's crazy, dude. I mean, it's really, really crazy. And, fortunately been able you know i've been lucky enough to to keep doing the weekly you know live stream that i do on wednesday nights and uh if i hadn't you know if i didn't have that throughout this whole time i don't i really don't know what i would have done i mean it's it's you know there's such a it's such a part of who i am it's such a part of my life that i'm you know just internally kind of like driven to want to play you know what i mean to to want to make music and um you know so we've had to basically just figure out a way to do that in the in the in the time that we're living in now you've been doing that for a while now i believe right yeah i started um started in the middle of march and i've been doing it almost every week since then there's been a couple weeks where we've had to skip it because of other things going on or whatever but it's been almost every week since middle of March. Yeah, I remember because you were one of the first ones I saw doing it. Yeah. So it was yeah, it's just kind of like it was like right off the bat. I was like, well, I got to do something, you know. Um, and so this seems to be the uh, the logical uh, step. And is it just you, or are you? Do you have uh, the well, band so, in I, there? so it's it's just me for the most part. Um, I have my daughter, Helena. She comes up and joins me on one or two songs every week. Uh, she's 14, and she sings like a bird. She's an amazing singer. And so we uh, we work out ahead of time a cover song that she picks out, and uh, we learn it together. And, you know, we run through it a few times or whatever. And uh, so that's kind of one of the, that's kind of one of the, uh, you know, consistent uh elements of the live stream is every week we do that yeah yeah now, what, what, what day you do that again we do it on wednesday nights at 8, o'clock, nights? 8, 8 p.m eastern now have you tried to do a whole band thing at all or no we did we just did one a, a couple of weeks ago and it was like it was like more fun than i've had in, <laughs> <laughs> in months yeah <clears throat> it was awesome it was the first time you know all of us have uh had been in a room together and played music. Um, we've done it a few times where, uh, our guitar player, Scott Anderson, he, um, he has a studio. He built a studio, uh, in his backyard that he really just finished up before all this happened. He he finished up his studio like in January. And, um, that's where we were rehearsing. This is in safety Harbor. And, uh, then, you know, so when everything shut down, we took a couple of months off from doing anything at all. And then we kind of went, okay, do we feel comfortable 
kind of getting back together and kind of just socially kind of, you know, staying safe and kind of distant and stuff like that. And so we kind of eased into it. And uh, so we've been rehearsing. We've been working on some new stuff. And we we did, you know, we started with like a, uh, just did kind of a Burke Brothers trio kind of a thing where it was me and Danny and Scott. And uh, we did that, and we, you know, live streamed it from the studio. Uh, and then just a couple of weeks ago, we did the first like full band, all five, you know, five piece band um, from the studio. And Scott ran the sound and we had our friend uh, Ryan, who's our uh, videographer. Uh, he, he filmed it kind of a two camera thing and uh, it turned out really, really good, you know, and it like, the sound was awesome, and uh, we were really pleased with, uh, with the result. Now, that seems like um, the energy, you know, you know, playing in a band, you get a lot of the energy from the crowd. Sure. So when you're doing something like that, was it a little strange at first? I mean, at first it is, and, you know, but for me, I get so nervous before shows as it is, I've got, you know, I've lived, I've lived with anxiety issues for many, many years. And, uh, so I get so kind of excited, you know, excited, kind of nervous before everything, even before, like, even before I'm doing these live streams from my house, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'm not, I'm only playing in front of my wife and my daughter. Um, but just knowing that there's an audience, like I still get those nerves. And so I don't really have a hard time finding the energy. You know what I mean? I can take that anxiety and that kind of nervous feeling and turn it into the, you know, the energy that, you know, that, that I put into the, you know, performance. Right. Right. I used to get more nervous in front of smaller crowds. Yeah, I do the same. It's the same thing. It's kind of like it's more intimate and there's like, you can kind of see everybody and make everybody out when, you know, whereas like if it's a big kind of packed venue, it's just kind of like a sea of people and, you know, it just seems to be kind of more comfortable that way. Yeah, yeah. And they're all staring at you. That's what it feels like sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. So with Have Gun, Will Travel, you you're still playing with your brother Danny, and JP's yep. with you too. Well, JP was up until the end of last year. Oh, okay. Um, and then he basically, you know, I mean, we've been doing this band for twelve, thirteen years now at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're just kind of like certain people as they, you know, kind of start getting older, I guess priorities kind of shift a little bit. He wanted to kind of focus more on, uh, you know, some family stuff. And so, um, the last show that he played with us was, uh, New Year's Eve. Um, we did a thing, uh, in Tampa with, uh, with WMNF and it was kind of a big New Year's Eve show that, that they had. And, um, so that was his last show. And then, um, so now we've got, uh, of, of a buddy of ours, Sam Farmer, who um, he also plays with another Bay Area band uh, called uh, Someday Honey. <clears throat> really good, amazing, amazing band. And uh, 
he's an awesome drummer, and so he's he's the guy playing with us now. I did not know that. I didn't know JP wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, it was all it's all good. I mean, we're we're you know everything's we're on good terms. And yeah, we're we're bros. But uh, yeah, I, li- a, I liked know, him, a, and he was a great yeah, drummer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was um, good. Is he is he on the album? Yes, yes. The the so the most recent record, um, Strange Chemistry, came out about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Right. Uh, and yeah, he's on. He's he's he plays drums on the whole thing. Okay. Okay. Now I was listening to that album, and it you have a very Tom Petty ish sound to you. I never noticed before. Yeah, I was just telling I, Joe yeah, that I, before. Yeah, I get that. I get that from time to time, and that's I'm totally cool with that you know like that's he's i'm he's one of my he's one of my influences so i mean if uh you know if people kind of catch that uh you know yeah. catch a vibe you know kind of a petty vibe that's cool i that doesn't bother me at all yeah i and it, like i said i never noticed it all the years we've known each other i've never noticed that come out of you until i was well, listening you know to this record what, it is. I was like, wow. I, what i think it is is that Back in the kind of chase theory days, <clears throat> I was kind of shouting a lot. I, you know, I was uh-huh. doing a lot of uh, <clears throat> I was doing a lot of shouting, and I don't know that I was really singing properly. Um, in the last few years, I feel like you know, I've kind of started to sing from kind of a more natural place, and kind of more of a in kind of more of an organic way. I, I feel like and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess that's just kind of the voice that I, you know, have grown into. Right, right. Well, it's very good. I like it a lot. Oh, I appreciate um, it, man. Yeah, all the songs were great. Awesome. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Um, the album before this one, though, was a concept album I was reading, correct? Yeah. Now, how yeah, was that absolutely. writing that? So that one, that one came out in... Uh, 2015. So there was like a four year gap between that record and the most recent one. Um, that one was a pretty heavy duty undertaking. It was a big, it was a big deal. Uh, when we were making it, it took us like probably eight or nine months in and out of the studio to, to put that record together. Cause we were kind of, you know, I was still writing a lot of the songs and we were still kind of working on the arrangements while we were in the studio making the record. Oh man. And, um, so we went into it thinking we were just going to do like an EP, you know, because I had this, um, I had this one song called true believers. Um, and we, this was before we even had the idea for the concept for the album. For those who aren't familiar, the, uh, the album is based on the British explorer, Ernest Shackleton and, uh, he, his, uh, Antarctic expedition in, uh, 1914, I think. Um, and so I had read the book about Shackleton. Uh, my wife, Raina, she's the one who recommended it to me. And it's, it, it's an amazing book. It's one of my favorites and it's an insane story that you really have to keep reminding yourself that this really happened to these guys when you're reading the book because it's so it's so crazy um but i had this song called true believers that was written before we had the idea to make the concept record and i played the demo for my wife and she was like you know that 
reminds me a lot of the, uh, the Shackleton story. And so that's kind of what started the conversation. Um, and I was like, well, maybe it'd be cool to do kind of a, you know, maybe a five song EP kind of based on that story. And, um, the more I kind of got into it, I realized that it, you know, an EP wasn't going to do it, you know, right. it wasn't really going to do justice to the, that big of a story. <clears throat> so we just got into the studio with, uh, our buddy, uh, Sean Kyle, who produced the record in Tampa. We got into the studio with him with the five songs that we had to start with. And then over the course of the next, uh, you know, next six or eight months, we, uh, worked on getting everything kind of, you know, finishing the songs out, getting everything, uh, arranged the way that we wanted it. We did a lot of instrumentation that we hadn't Mm -hmm. done previously. We had strings and horns and, you know, a whole big uh, production on that record. Now, you put some of that on Strange Chemistry, too, right? I think I heard horns in there. We do have some horns and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a... Well, our buddies, um, our one uh, guy, Andy Bray, has been with us for a long time. He plays mandolin, but he also plays trombone. And so, from time to time, we'll have a song where it's like, you know, we'll have an idea that we could hear maybe some some horn parts or something like that, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so we've got another buddy, uh, Kenny Pullen, who's a trumpet player in uh, Tampa. And the two of them will get together, and I'll kind of give them the basic idea for, like, where the horn parts should go and maybe kind of like a loose melody or something. And then they'll kind of get together and work out their horn arrangements. Um, and then we'll just, you know, and then we'll work out the song, you know, we'll get together and, and work them out. Right. Well, it's sounding good. Like I said, thanks man. Um, now you've been with your brother, Danny, since I've known you, have you guys always played together? Yeah. From like the very, from the very beginning. I mean, from the, from the first time either one of us ever, you know, picked up a guitar and that was, you know, I was probably 12 or 13. Danny was nine or 10 when, uh, my dad got us acoustic guitars and, um, started, you know, gave us a couple of lessons cause he's a musician too. Um, so you, you grew know, up with music around you? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was, you know, music was a big part of the household. My dad was playing and writing all the time. He was a singer songwriter as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, both my parents were always very into music and playing music around the house all the time. Um, and then my dad also, uh, he played, uh, we've got a, uh, Manatee Players is kind of like the local, you know, uh, theater, the local, um, you know, right. the local, uh, theater in town. And, uh, they, every time they would have a music, there was a few year stretch where every time they would do a musical, my dad would play bass for the musical there. And so Danny and I would get to go see the plays, you know, every time he would be doing one of the musicals or whatever. And so that was, that was a part of it too, you know? So it was like, we had music kind of coming from all kinds of different directions. What were some of your, uh, your early influences? Well, I mean, when we first kind of, when we first started playing guitars together and stuff like that, we had kind of just gotten into 
skateboarding and, and punk rock and stuff like that. So it was really like we were learning how to play guitar, listening. You know, we had a record player in our room and like I was <clears throat> literally I was 13. Danny was 10 and we lived a few blocks away from a record store that sold vinyl and was a really cool underground record store called Daddy Cool Records. Now that now they're located in St. Pete. Right. But they used to have a uh, location in Bradenton. And um, we would, like, ride our skateboards over to the record store. We'd pick out some, you know, pick out a record or something, and then we'd come home and put it on. So, I mean, we were listening to, like, just crazy, you know, Circle Jerks and DRI and, you know, just crazy punk rock stuff when I think back on how young we were <laughs> right. and we were listening to these records and that's kind of what we were listening to and we were learning how to play music. So our first band was our first kind of iteration of a band was a little, um, little four piece kind of straight edge punk band that we had. What, what was the name? We were called impact. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I could see that being a punk band. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, we were trying to be like minor thread or something, you know? Right. So then when did you get out of that phase? Um, I mean, we went through so many different phases going through like our teens. Uh, we came out of that. We kind of, we, we kind of walked between punk rock and like metal for quite a while and got into, you know, really, really into Metallica and Slayer and, you know, all that stuff. And we would, uh, and we kind of had a version of a band for a while that, you know, we were doing, we were playing that kind of music as well. Every time we would kind of get into a different phase of music, our, we'd change the band name and we would just drop the songs that we had and kind of start over, you know, right? Um, kind of change the identity of the band along with our, you know, as our taste in music changed. Right. Um, and so, I mean, that happened up until, you know, up until we started, chase theory which i mean we were still kind of we still had kind of those you know the punk rock influences but we were getting into kind of the more melodic you know emo type stuff at the time um mm -hmm. when we got you know when we got chase theory gone and so that's kind of i mean the the punk thing has kind of always been there throughout mm -hmm. uh because it's like even when we even when i started getting into you know kind of the kind of the more I don't know if you want to call it outlaw country or like you know kind of the insurgent type country stuff the you know there's a there's a punk element to that stuff there's a punk kind of ethos that goes along with something like Johnny Cash or you know sure somebody like you know Hank 3 you know um there's even though it's it sounds country and it's got the it's got the country influences there's a there's a kind of a you know fuck you attitude going right. on you know right along with it so that's kind of always been a part of our deal i think i never knew you had that that background yeah yeah, yeah we were a little we we're a little punk rock skate rats look at that see that <laughs> that's why i love doing these shows you learn something new every time yep. Yep. how long were you guys chased theory before you uh changed over to have guns will travel so we did um i think i would say a decade i think we were doing okay. chase theory for about 10 years 
And then right kind of at near the end of it, you know, we had, uh, we had toured a bunch and we had, you know, I think we had done like three records. Um, and then there just, we kind of hit, we just kind of hit a wall, I think with what we were trying to do. And, um, we were still playing, we were still playing and writing as chase theory. When I started have gun will travel as kind of a solo side project. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was kind of like, I was writing songs at home and, and recording kind of demoing these songs at home that I knew were never meant to be chase theory songs. And they kind of had their own thing going on. And, uh, Ultimately, what I ended up doing was the, the stuff that I was recording at home ended up being um, a seven-song EP that I just self-produced and self-recorded and then just like burned a bunch of copies of the CD and started playing local shows, you know, local like coffeehouse type shows and small venue shows as a, you know, solo acoustic uh, performer. And that was kind of the start of it. Uh, and that was going on while Chase Theory was still kind of like st starting to kind of fizzle out, I guess you'd say. Right. Now, I find that very interesting with the anxiety that you have that y you went out on your own and did solo yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. Was that it? was rough. <laughs> Those first shows were really, really rough. Yeah, I actually, what's funny is I was, uh, I was listening to, it reminded me of it today. I actually, I was listening to a podcast that our guitar player, Scott was on a podcast that just, uh, that I just listened to today. And he was talking about this particular show because he was the one, he was working at the venue that I was playing at. And he was the one who, uh, who booked me for this show and I was opening up for the singer from the band Rusted Root, he was doing kind of a solo, uh, a solo tour on his own. And so I got the opening uh, slot for that show. And it literally was my first time doing a solo show. And, uh, and I, it was, it was, it was rough, man. I, I probably had a few too many shots <laughs> going, going into it, <laughs> but, um, I got through it and it, you know, it was, uh, I felt really good about it afterwards and that's kind of what that's kind of what started things does it get is it getting easier for you to do I, that kind it of has thing? it has in the it has in the last few years but it it's really you know it's something that i've dealt with i was i was diagnosed with like you know general anxiety disorder in my early 20s mm -hmm. and it's something that i've struggled with ever since and go through kind of like you know periods of you know, doing well with it and not doing so well with it and, you know, managing it, uh, and, you know, having a harder time with it. So it's like, there's definitely ups and downs with it. Um, but I have always gotten, uh, nervous and anxious before shows and whether it's solo or whether it's with the full band or whatever, it's just, that's always been the case. And, um, so, I mean, it's something that I've over the last few years gotten a better handle on, um, part of that. And I, I actually taught, I actually kind of, there's a few songs on the most recent album, Strange Chemistry, where 
I talk about panic attacks and I talk about anxiety and it's, it struck me when I realized it, but this album is the first time I've openly kind of talked about anxiety in any of our songs. And really? it kind of, it, yeah, it's kind of crazy to me. And I, I think the only reason why that is, is that, um, I feel like I've gotten a better handle on it over the last couple of years. And that has maybe made me more comfortable to be able to kind of open up about it, you know, mm-hmm. because when you're kind of like in the grips of something like that, I just, it's hard to kind of openly discuss, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of always been, uh, it's kind of always been a thing, but I, I feel like I've, I'm kind of better, kind of better at managing it. these yeah, days. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Um, Chase Theory, from what I remember, you guys were a three-piece band. Is that correct? We started four, but we we I would say the the majority of the years that we played as a band, we were three. Right. Because um, we had um, we started out myself, my brother Danny, uh, our guitar player Chris. Yeah, I remember when Chris and, was there. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I think he was with us when we came down to do your to do uh, to do the show. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, me neither. Possibly. Um, but but yeah, it was. Uh, and then our drummer was Ed. So JP wasn't our original uh, drummer for Chase Theory. He wasn't on the first Chase Theory record. Uh-huh. Um, and so then, a um, couple years into it, after we had done the first record and kind of toured a bit and started working on another record. Um, Ed left the band and we got JP. And so we were kind of a four piece with JP and Chris and Danny and myself for a for a couple of years, did another record. Uh, and then Chris left the band and we just decided we're going to keep it three piece at that point. Um, and so for the remainder of probably five or six years, you know, we were, we just kept it the three piece. I always thought three piece bands were, it was difficult. I mean, I, I played it's a lot, you know, sorry, we, go ahead. We did uh last great hope had to do a uh, show one time without a guitar player. So it was just myself, Walt and Doug, Doug played guitar. Oh, and right, right, right. But we had to do that one time and it just felt awkward. Yeah. Well, that I understand that. I mean, if you're used to playing, you know, the, these songs with another person playing, then yeah, it's definitely going to be awkward. But what I, you know, the way I kind of approached it was like, all right, we're a three piece now, so I'm just going to start writing a bunch of songs that are based around a three piece, you know, yeah. arrangement. You know what I mean? Where there isn't, we're not missing another guitar. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the songs off of the first record that would still play as a three piece. I just had to figure out kind of which parts needed to be, you know, needed to kind of like be prominent in each different part of the song. And so I, I would try to do my best to kind of cover what both guitars had been doing, you know, right. previously. So when you add it, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work for, you know, to be, trying to you know kind of juggle all of that but that's just how it that's how it kind of just felt it felt good you know for us it just kind of fit that way 
Yeah, well, I think especially if you're singing and playing guitar, I mean, I, for one, I don't know how anybody does that because I can't even play <laughs> like a second of singing and playing guitar. It's. I think. I, I think it's because I just started doing both at the same time. I mean, when I was learning how to play guitar, I was, I was kind of writing songs kind of right off the bat, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I didn't, I didn't learn how to do those things separately. They were, I kind of just went at it, you know, at the same time from the beginning. Right. So have gun will travel has always been a four piece. Where did that start? Um, so it, for about a year, I just did it. Um, solo. Right. And then uh, our guitar player, Scott, who was the guy who booked me onto that first show, um, he ended up um, he ended up um, joining. He would come play with me from time to time when I would be doing, you know, the solo shows or whatever. And he 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 was playing lap steel, and so he would he would play lap steel or electric guitar depending on the song and so he kind of joined me and then I kind of then I got Danny involved uh, and then ultimately I kind of just convinced Danny and JP that like Chase Theory was done and that they should go ahead and just kind of jump on board with the new thing Uh (laughs) (laughs) it it was kind of like you know were they hesitant? I mean, I guess I didn't. I mean, they they weren't. They still wanted to rock, and I was getting, you know, I was getting a little folkier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I kind of just had to, I had to just convince them and go like, "Look, here's some really cool bands that are doing some other, you know, doing some different stuff." And there's, you know, like it's a whole. There's a whole new thing. Like we can we can stretch out. And we can kind of like you know. We can stretch our, our legs a little bit and, and, and get into it, you know? And so, it, I mean, it didn't take a lot of convincing. They weren't, like, super hesitant. But I it, it, I think it was just weird to kind of close the book on Chase Theory. You know what I mean? Yeah. So More you guys don't I, do any Chase Theory songs at all anymore? Just No, I mean, actually, I started, since we've been doing the kind of quarantine, like, you know, uh, live stream from home, I've actually brought one of the Chase Theory songs back and started doing it um, recently. So there's, yeah, just one song. There's the song Pharaohs and Kings that was like one of our mm-hmm. one of our first songs, really. Um, but yeah, I've kind of like kind of adapted that to acoustic guitar and uh, started playing that every once in a while. It's kind of fun. It might be fun to bring some more out on those shows. Yeah, yeah, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to it. I think we've got enough distance, <laughs> <laughs> right? Distance from it, you know. Did you find a lot of the um, Chase Theory fans followed you to have Gun Will Travel? Yeah, I mean, That's you good. know, yeah, it felt really, uh, really organic. Like a, like the shift felt pretty organic because, like. You know, I remember doing some of the first Have Gun Will Travel shows here in Bradenton um, at some of the some of the same bars and venues and stuff that we would, you know, that we used to play as Chase Theory, and like all of our same crew were, you know, were coming out. They were psyched about it. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I felt like everybody was. There were a few people that were sad to see, you know, to see it go. But I mean, 
everybody was still still coming out, still hanging out. So yeah. it felt pretty, uh, pretty, you know, pretty welcoming. Oh, good. Is is there still a scene out there? I mean, obviously not right now, but well, there. Yes, I know that. <laughs> but um, yeah, there has been one uh, that's been steadily kind of you know there's there's some <clears throat> there's some cool people that are trying to that are trying to make it happen. There's uh, some friends of ours, some promoters, um, you know, who are who are trying to, or were obviously, and will be again, I'm sure, uh, when things kind of pick back up, uh, but really trying to get, uh, get events going and get, you know, get a scene going and get some good shows and get some good artists coming to town and, you know, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a, uh, promoter company that, uh, we've worked with on a bunch of shows called independent Jones and they put on, they've put on a bunch of events that we played and, uh, so yeah, I mean there is. It's just it's not like you know, it's not like Tampa or St. Pete or you know Orlando or something like that, mm-hmm. where you know there's a just a a bigger community, a bigger you know population of people coming out mm-hmm. going to see shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when we used to play. I thought there was a pretty good scene at that time. I yeah, mean, we had some we had some good stuff. There was um there was a couple venues. There was Rockefellers on uh on forty one. That know, was that always we, a fun place. Yeah, that was a cool venue and it was we always played great shows there with like, you know, E three and like the other, you know, the other bands in the area that we were we were close with. Um and that was yeah, that was one of our favorite hometown spots for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So have you guys been doing a lot of touring with Have Gun War Travel? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um we did we were touring pretty hard up to and uh kind of like uh a little bit after the uh Science from an Easy Chair, the uh the concept record. When that when that record came out, we were kind of touring at are you know probably most frequent um i remember when that record came out we went and did like a it was like full two months you know full u.s um and i think that was actually the longest stretch we'd ever gone you know at one time uh you know and then so we had been doing a bunch and then we kind of came home from that tour did did a few other short runs and stuff like that. And then we kind of like the reason there was kind of a long, uh, break in between putting that record out and then putting out strange chemistry is because we kind of ran into some stuff. I mean, we, you know, personally, we all had, it's kind of like, you know, there's just your personal lives can kind of pile up on you when you're doing a lot of touring and stuff like that. And then, eventually you got to kind of deal with stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we kind of came home from the touring cycle of that record and just kind of like put on the brakes for a little while. You know what I mean? Mm. We all kind of like, I mean, we're still playing some shows in the Bay area and, you know, throughout kind of central Florida, but we, um, we kind of put a break on the touring for a little while 
kind of handled some, you know, everybody had some issues. I had, I was, you know, having the anxiety thing and I had a a heart condition that I was kind of dealing with. Um, Jeez. Yeah. That was kind of like that thing. What's called it's called AFib and it's basically like a irregular heart rhythm and it'll occasionally kind of jump out of rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't, you know, if you're not taking the right meds for something like that, it can be dangerous because, you know, if your heart goes out of rhythm, you I mean, you're kind of at risk of like a stroke or something like that. And so that mixed with my anxiety were really kind of difficult to deal with for quite a while. I, I mean, it was like a daily kind of struggle. And I ended up going to the emergency room like three times over the course of, you know, six months or something like that. Um, and finally I got to a, uh, uh, a good cardiologist and we tried a couple different things and, uh, he finally got me on the right, uh, the right like heart meds to kind of keep my, my AFib in check, mm-hmm. which in turn helped my anxiety, helped me better manage the anxiety. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah, and so that's so like that's why there was kind of a break after that record. We kind of just stopped doing stuff. I kind of stopped. I took like a year off from writing anything, which I've never done. And um and then you know, and the result was uh you know, the, was the strange chemistry record, which is a much more like personal um album that I that I've written in a long long time you know up to that point a lot of our stuff a lot of the have gun will travel stuff is kind of narrative like storytelling type songs you know what I mean a lot of it kind of yeah, fictional, I got that from it you know a lot of like fictional kind of like almost character driven type songs and you know while I still love that kind of writing um I just for some reason on this last record needed to needed to get more personal, you know? Well, you had a lot of different styles. I thought, I mean, it all went together, but, um, yeah, there's a bunch of different stuff thrown, thrown into the, uh, into the mix there for sure. Yeah. I liked, uh, was it infinite traveler? Yeah, man. That was a good one. Yeah. That's actually, that's, that might be my favorite one off the, off that record. What would you write that one about? Um, so this, so that was one where I kind of like was experimenting with kind of a little bit of a different writing technique than I, than I have done before. I mean, it starts out, it's kind of two separate parts of the journey. Like the song starts out and there's kind of, to me, the way it feels is like, there's kind of like a, there's a first half of this song and then there's kind of the the big anthemic second half of the song. And like, um, the first half was kind of like the, it's weird. The verse came from almost like a kind of a dream, this imagery, you know, it starts out saying like, you know, it started with a choir of angels turned into a murder of crows. And like, that was kind of a, kind of a weird I think it was like a dream that I had or just this weird kind of like this weird vision that I, that I saw. 
Um, and I just kind of wrote that first, that first set of verses. Uh-huh. Um, and then I started, and it didn't really make sense to me what it was about. I didn't really know what it was about, but I was okay with that. And I was like, okay, you know, let's just kind of see, see where it, where it, where it goes. And then the second set of verses or the second verse, I should say, is like kind of based on, uh, I watch a lot of like Twilight Zone, the old TV show Twilight Zone. Yeah. And there's an episode, one of my favorite episodes of the, of that show is, uh, it's called a stop at, uh, at Willoughby. And it's about this guy who works at an ad agency in New York and he takes a train home every night to like, you know, Connecticut or something where he lives in the suburbs. And like, he keeps having these dreams uh, while he's on the, while he's on, while he's, while he's on the train, um, of this stop, you know, this train stop of this town called Willoughby, which was like, every time you looked out the window and saw this town, it was like from, you know, turn of the century, early, you know, 1900s or whatever. And he just always wanted to get off there. And he kept having this recurring dream about wanting to get off at that stop. And, uh, and then he finally does in his dream. And it turns out that he ended up killing himself, jumping off the train while it was moving, you know, in real life or whatever. Mm. Um, and so it's a really cool episode of the show. And so that, that verse, that second verse of the song kind of came from that where it's like, you know, you kind of feel like you're out of place in the time in which you're living. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've always kind of had a little sense of that where, I, you know, feel like maybe I would have fit better in the, you know, in the thirties or in the forties yeah, or you know, in some other era, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just, um, and so that's what the song became about. So it's just about kind of like feeling out of, out of place and being this kind of infinite traveler where you're, you're trying to figure out where you fit in. Well, excellent song. Uh, it's one of my Thank favorites you, on the album. Yeah. I'm then, glad to hear that. What was the one, there's one that has more of a, um, I don't want to say oldies feel. Well, maybe oldies feel. It, I don't remember. I'm not good with song names. I apologize. <laughs> man. No, it's all good. No, we, I mean, there's, you know, we kind of like came at this record from a, from a place of like, okay, we've, you know, we've kind of, we've, I feel like we've established our ourselves, you know, as a band and kind of what, what we are as a band and what our sound is. Um, but like, why don't we make our like rock record? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we, that's kind of how we went into, how we kind of went into it. But it was like, you know, we were, we're, we have influences ranging all over the place, you know, just everybody's kind of got their own set of influences, obviously. Um, but we were kind of like, we had done a, um, we had done this, we had done this recreation kind of tribute to the band's last waltz. Uh, concert. Uh, so the band, you know, from the seventies, they, they put on this giant concert that was going to be basically the last concert that they were ever going to play. Um, and, uh, 
Scorsese filmed it and turned it into a, a you know concert film called The Last Waltz. And uh, so a couple of years ago, we got together and we performed the entire Last Waltz with some bunch of friends, a bunch of different band, a bunch of different uh, artists and stuff like that that would come in, that would sit in with us, and, you know, sing different songs and stuff. And so it was basically like 21, 21 or 22 songs that we had to learn for this one concert. And uh, so every time we would do something like this, and we've done, you know, things like that, where we've done like tribute to Tom Petty, or we've done like, you know, we've played Tom Petty's, they do a birthday bash in Gainesville um, every year, and we've done it for the last couple of, two or three years. Um, and so it's like every time we kind of focus on learning kind of like, you know, a bunch of songs from a particular artist or band, you pick things up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you learn new things that you wouldn't have thought of doing. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of the way, there's a lot of ways that, uh, the band had kind of like arranged their song. There were so many unique and cool things that they had done with their kind of like instrumentation and the arrangements of things that, you know, it's like, and you, when you learn so many of their songs, it's like, it's hard not to kind of, take some of that with you, you know what I mean? And so it's like, okay, well, that's cool. That's something I could like incorporate, you know, into, into our music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, same with, you know, doing any of these kind of like tribute shows that we've done, or we've, you know, we've done a, we've done a, we do a thing every year as well called uh Fangsgiving, which is like, it's done it. It's a Halloween thing where, all the bands and this takes place at crowbar, uh, in Ebor as well, but all the bands dress up and perform as another band of their choice. So like <laughs> last year we did the Ramones and we were all dressed up as the Ramones. I had this long Joey Ramone wig and, you know, sunglasses and the whole, the whole deal. And, uh, so last year we did the Ramones the year before that we did the cars, you know, so it's like, Every time we do one of these things where we learn like a handful of songs from some other artist, we, I try to like take a little bit, try to learn something from each of those experiences and those then become like influences on our stuff, you know, that was a long way. That was a long way of telling, of getting around to say that we had all these different influences. Right. <laughs> T- tell me about that. What is it? Fangsgiving? Yeah, it's called uh, so, it's called Fangsgiving. So, um, do you dress up as the band and play the band songs? Yep, yep, exactly. So when we did the Cars, I was dressed up as Rick Ocasek. And you do uh, all Cars songs. And we did, yeah. But it's not like a full, you know, like forty-five minute set. It's like you know, each band does like twenty minutes or something. Sure, so sure. you learn like five songs. You know, are they doing it this so everybody year? Everybody learns like. Um, I believe so. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the, uh, logistics of it. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we're doing it. All right. And, follow, uh, follow me on this, Matt. This yeah, year, yeah. I'd like you guys to go as the Go-Go's. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that could that be, would be a that hit. could be interesting. Yeah. I think you're onto something. Just think about it. I think you're onto something. They have some good songs too. They do. 
Nice. Were you? Um, well, I'm sure you heard the news of uh, Mr. Van Halen. I did, man. Were you That's uh, rough. That's Eddie a rough fan one. or no? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, I think anyone, you know, uh, anyone from our kind of, you know, relatively close to our generation uh, who was a kid when they were on MTV, you know, yeah, it's hard to like not be a fan of that. They were, they were like amazing. You know what I mean? When they came out and like, you know, I just, I remember seeing jump on MTV and stuff and they were all over the place. They were huge. And, uh, you know, of course his, he was like a, you know, a wizard on the guitar. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to, to not be, uh, affected by, by, you know, by him in one way or another. So it's hard to think we're in a world now without Eddie. It is, man. Weird. It is. It's, it is it's weird. Sad. Yeah. But, it's a bummer. Yeah. So, are you writing any new material for a new album when all this passes, or what's going on um, in future we're stuff? We're kind of doing. We kind of have a few different things going on. Like, <clears throat> we just put a single out a month ago. And that was what melancholy. Moon? Yeah, Melancholy Moon. And so that was a song that we had started working on. <clears throat> excuse me. We had started working on, like, it was one that we were considering putting on the most recent album. But when we kind of, when it came time to kind of sequencing the record and putting it together, it, it was kind of the odd man out. It was the one, there were a couple songs that just didn't fit. Sure. It happens. Um, yeah, but I, uh, but I really liked it. And I mean, we all like really liked the song and wanted to get it out in the world in you know, one way or another. So we just decided like, there's really, there's no, there's no rules right now. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of the wild west as far as like how you kind of release your music, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you can either put out a full record, you can put out an EP, you can, or you can just put out a single and then maybe, you know, couple months later put out another one um and so we just decided we're, we're just going to finish up the, the tracking on that one which we did and uh and we just mixed it and, and mastered it and uh and then just kind of just put it out there and said you know here you go and so that and i'm i'm really happy with how it turned out i think you know the horns sound really awesome on it and uh so yeah it's 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 definitely kind of a its own thing. It's kind of a misfit, you know, misfit toy kind of a song, but, uh, it just needed to be put out. And so we've got a couple others that are kind of, we're thinking about doing the same thing as well. We've got another one that's completely finished and, um, they're going to be, they're going to be doing the city of Bradenton here is going to be doing kind of like a, you know, kind of a, kind of a campaign, um, kind of like love your city kind of, you know, we love Bradenton kind of a thing. Um, we love small businesses. We support small businesses, you know, that kind of a deal. Uh, and they're going to be rolling out this campaign and they got a hold of me and asked if I would put a song together with that theme in mind. And so, and so I did. And so I brought it to the, to the guys and we, uh, and we tracked it and recorded it. And, uh, it's another one that I, I feel really good about it. You know, it turned out really, really well. Um, the way, you know, the, 
the way that we've got the the way that Scott's got the the studio kind of dialed in right now and the stuff that we're the sounds that we're getting out of it I'm I'm really happy with and uh, so that's another song that's going to be coming out I don't know the exact date yet because I'm waiting for them to kind of roll out their I'm waiting for the realized Bradenton people to kind of roll out their campaign to mm. you know figure out when we're going to release the track and make it available um, there's that and then there is um, I'm going to be I went ahead and I went back into uh, home demo recordings for throughout the basically the history of Have Gun Will Travel. So I went back and listened to all these home demos and picked out like like a like ten like eleven or twelve songs that I feel pretty comfortable with and I, that I think would be kind of a cool thing for people that are already familiar with some of these songs to hear them in that way to hear that version of them to hear kind of the home demo kind of like moment of inspiration kind of version of these songs that they're familiar with from the records you know what i mean so it's going to be like a 11 or 12 song uh release and i'm going to be putting it out here in uh probably within I would say within a month or so. That's awesome. I love when bands do that. Is it, or is it untouched? Like you're just going to put it out as you found them or? Uh, well, I know I actually brought my, so what I did was this, when I first started writing as Have Gun Will Travel, uh, my wife bought me this, uh, you know, multi-track recording console, just one of these, you know, it's just one, it's all in one box kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I started recording on it and that's what I recorded demos on throughout the entire time for have gone all the way up until pretty recently. And so I went back, found the ones I went through like, you know, 40 or, you know, 45 different kind of like kind of version, like, different kind of like ideas. Some of them weren't fleshed out songs. Some of them were kind of ideas that started and then got abandoned and, you know, that kind of thing. But I went back and found like 11 or 12 actually finished kind of demos that I, that I think sound pretty decent. And I brought them to our guy that we do our mastering with and he mastered them. And so we're going to be putting it out. Where do you, where do you do your mastering? So there's a guy uh, in St. Pete by the name of Jason Hobart, and he's got a he's got he does it out of his house. He, he's got a mastering studio built at his house, and it's called Melancholy Studios. Okay. All right. So that's kind of what we've done the last couple records with him. Mm-hmm. Or we did. I think we actually no. We just we just found him prior to Strange Chemistry. So that's the that's the first record we did with him, and then. Since then, we've done you know these these other kind of random little projects that we're doing. We we just go straight to him because right. you know pretty much found our we found our guy. Now, do you have who's doing your mixing? We are um, Scott's the one who's Scott's you know Scott's kind of he's a sound engineer as well. He's so he knows what years, he's doing. He's, yeah, over the years he's done he's ran sound for different venues and. Um, so, I mean, he's been, he's been mixing for, you know, most of his life. And so we've, we've, um, you know, now, and so throughout the course of the band, 
you know, listening back to the records, I can kind of tell how we're kind of gradually figuring things out. And I feel like now we're at a place where we're, we're really kind of, we kind of got it. Like we're really in a good place as far as like, I feel like the quality of what we're able to, uh, what we're able to put out, you know? Yeah. I mean, the quality is excellent. Mixing's hard, I think. Oh, dude. It's a a total art. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, there's just, there's so many different ways you could go with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, okay, this is what this song needs to sound like. So this is what you do to make that happen. I mean, there's so many different things that, you know, minor little adjustments can make this make a huge difference in the way the song sounds, you know? Yeah. I, I dabble at home, you know, with stuff that, that I yeah, write, yeah. but, um, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. Oh, same here. <laughs> same here. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it doesn't here. sound terrible, but it doesn't sound right. Right. You know, right. It's like not I a trained it ear. It's right. It's not a, yeah, I don't have like a, you know, engineer's ear. Right. Nicky still with us? I'm here. I'm making sure. We lost Nick on there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on mute today. So. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> that's a bummer. Nick was asking questions and trying to talk to myself and the guest. Oh no! And <laughs> was on mute. Oh, he, he muted himself. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't realize it. Well, I didn't realize it happened. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when you release your new stuff, is it going to be? Um, digital release are you going to do vinyl what what, what's your plan um for now with the uh with the demos record for now i'm going to do it as a digital release only and then if like enough people kind of you know show any interest in having something like that on vinyl then we might do kind of a short run vinyl pressing of it or something like that Mm -hmm. um you know, we, we've done vinyl for the last, uh, last like four records that we've put out. And, yeah. um, I mean, vinyl's so definitely, I think vinyl's the way to go. It just gives, cause everyone's yeah. going to get it digital. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, and it's like people, you know, if you're, if you're listening at home and you have a record player and you have a nice stereo, like there's nothing better than putting a record on and listening to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise you're listening to it on whatever device you are bringing around with you or in your car or something like that. And it's always, you know, you're, if you have it on whatever digital platform you buy it from, you know, you can listen to it wherever you want, but having the actual record and the artwork and looking at it and being able to kind of like, you know, just, physically set it onto a record player and put a needle on it. You yeah, know? it's an experience. It is. It is. It's a, it's kind of a immersive thing. It's kind of a um almost meditative type of a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember when I was a kid just sitting in my room changing out my vinyl records. Yeah. Just me listening too, absolutely. To over and over, flip it over. Hell yeah. Mm. Yeah man. It's the best. All right, Matt. Well listen man. It was good talking to you, catching up. It's been a while. Oh, absolutely, Joe. It's good talking to you, Nick, as well. I'm glad you yeah. guys are doing good. I like the podcast. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. I'm subscribed. I, uh, awesome. I was listening just today, actually. Um, yeah, I like what you guys are doing. Thanks. It it, it's well, still thanks, a work in progress. You know, we're, 
this is our 29th episode. Um, cool. So we're still, you know, we're not professionals, but we're, we're still, still learning. Yeah, no, you, you're doing a great job. When uh, when's this one going to go up? You think tonight? Oh, cool! Wow, you guys are that that quick with it. Joe's yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah. So you don't do so you don't do like you don't do any kind of like editing. You just kind of like yeah, we're straight straight out front there. to back. Yeah, awesome, dude. Cool. I mean, I I think that's part of the fun of it. I mean, you know, yeah, you're gonna catch you know. There's a lot of times there's you know spontaneous stuff that happens and. Uh, you know, yeah, like I mean, sometimes flying by, get, the seat of, flying by the seat of your pants is, is the way to go sometimes. Yeah, you get tongue tied sometimes. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You get, you, get pip, you get put on mute, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, cool. So, it'll, it'll be out there. Um, I'll send you a link. Um, maybe you can promote it, you know, to all your fans and they can. Yeah, I will for sure. Have some fun with it. But, yeah, man. I will, absolutely. I appreciate Thanks keeping again, in touch. Yeah, thanks for doing the well, show, man. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a good time. Yep. It's nice talking to you guys. All right, bud. We'll talk. All right, man. All Take right, care, Matt. See you. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.